Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're continuing the series called Wonder. Everybody say wonder. And we're talking about being caught up in the beauty of God. The word wonder means to cause an astonishment or an admiration. And we know that when we look at God, if we, will, if we will just fix our gaze on him, we will be absolutely astonished and we will absolutely admire him. We will be captivated by his gaze and by his, by his beauty and by his glory. And we talked in week one about how God is a God of wonders and, and everything that God makes is wonderful, right? It's filled with wonder. The things that he's created, who he is, that you are wonderful, that you're fearfully and wonderful made. And we talked about how God does wonderful things. In fact, Psalm, David said in Psalms that God only does good things, that everything God does is good, that it's, that it's wonderful, that it's wonder-filled. And then last week, we talked about how Jesus in his ministry, the words that he spoke and the life that he lived was filled with wonder. It was wonder-filled. And it says in Mark chapter 9, verse 15, that it says that the crowds were amazed by him and they ran out to meet him, that they, 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 they left their jobs for a little bit, they left their families for a little bit or took their families with them, and they ran out ran out to wherever Jesus was. And that's why there were crowds that gathered around Jesus because there was something fascinating about this man. And we talked about this man named Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and he was, we know that he was a sinner, that he was lost in sin, that people were calling him a sinner. And we know that he ran ahead of Jesus, and he climbed up in that sycamore tree so he can get a better look at Jesus. He literally went out on a limb to experience Jesus, and he climbed out on that limb and he looked at Jesus and Jesus brought him out of, of his of his sinnership, come on. He, he transformed him from being a, a sinner to a son. And we know that, that he went from being a man who was lost in sin, known to be a, a man who was a lost sheep of Israel. He went from being a man who was lost in sin to a man who was lost in wonder. And so this week we're continuing talking about being caught up in the wonder of God. And I want to talk about two tools today that will help you lock your gaze in with God. And the tools are this, and we'll get into them deep today. Number one is is wisdom, and the other is revelation. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, if you got your Bible, turn it on or open it up or whatever, however you roll, says this, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. So here he is writing a letter to one of his churches that he's overseeing, and he's like, man, I'm so inspired by your faith. I love how you love God, and I love how you love people. And he's like, I'm so encouraged by that. And I thank God for that every day because how well you love God and his people. And he says, I've not stopped giving thanks. I haven't stopped remembering you in my prayers. In verse 17, this is where we're going to spend our time today, I keep asking that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for those of us who believe. Two exploration tools, 
today. If you were to go out on a journey, you would need a couple of things, right? You would need a compass and you would need a map. So today on the journey, the exploration tools that we have in our hand are wisdom and revelation. What I love about this is that we get to be a recipient of the prayers of Paul. The Apostle Paul praying this prayer, Lord, I pray that they would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I'm saying, yes, Lord, let me be an answer to the prayers of Paul. I keep asking. Don't you love how he says that? I keep asking. We've been, we've been talking about this a whole lot over the past several months about how Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 11. He says, I keep asking, right? He said, he, and in fact, he says, when you pray, do this, keep asking. He said, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, and then the door will be open towards you, for you. And so what we do a lot of times is, is a door doesn't open or a prayer isn't answered and we go, what? It wasn't the will of God. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you ask and keep on asking and you seek and keep on seeking, and if you knock and you keep on knocking, that door will be open. So sometimes you just, now you can't be knocking on the wrong door, but I'm telling you, some of it has to do with your persistence. And it has very little to do or zero to do with the will of God. It's just because you weren't willing to ask him for it. So are you asking? And are you keeping on asking? Because some of the things that you've been praying for for two years haven't happened yet. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. This is the word of the Lord for Overflow Church right now. We are going to keep asking. We're going to keep, we're going to keep asking for open wombs. We're going to keep asking for financial miracles, physical miracles, healing. We're going to keep asking for a building. We're going to keep knocking on doors. We're, we're believing God for miracles, and we're willing to keep asking God for it. We're going to keep pressing God for it. We're not trying to bend his arm, but we're trying to get in the place of of his presence. Come on. How many know the, the, the purpose of prayer isn't a product? The purpose of prayer is a person. And so that's where we're going. So I keep asking. Keep asking. Now he says this. He says, the spirit of. Now the NIV translators use a capital S there, which will make us think it's the Holy Spirit. Now get this. The Holy Spirit is not wisdom. The Holy Spirit is not revelation, but the Holy Spirit carries wisdom and revelation. So he's like, like if you had a tender spirit, are you tracking with me? So he's saying, I'm praying that you would possess a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that it would be something that, that, that possesses your life. So, so you, don't get, um, you don't get that spirit of wisdom and revelation without possessing the Holy Spirit. Let me say it this way. You don't get the spirit of wisdom and revelation without being possessed by the Holy Spirit, right? I preached a message years ago on the Holy Spirit, and the message was called that, possessed. And we, we think of that as a negative thing. But I believe this. I believe the Lord wants to apprehend you, and he wants to possess you. He wants total ownership. He is, he's the repo man. He is showing up to take it all, baby. So let's just, let's just give him all of it and let that spirit of wisdom and revelation take over. And then he gives us the point. Why the spirit of wisdom and revelation? We're going to dig into those two words in just a moment. But he says this, I pray that you would have this in order to know him better. See, a lot of people, we want wisdom and revelation so that we can look spiritual. 
or that we can have something. Or better yet, we've seen it with people before, they'll use it to manipulate others. Well, I got the revelation. You don't have the revelation. Let me just keep you under my thumb because you don't have the revelation. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the years that I have. Let me just let me just kind of push. How many of you know that's not the right spirit? Spirit of manipulation is the spirit of the devil. Come on, the Holy Spirit doesn't manipulate. But he, but he says this, that the purpose isn't so that you can be high and mighty or so that you can be recognized or you can be promoted on a platform. No, no, no. The reason that you you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation is so that you can know him, so that you can know Jesus, so that you can know him better. It's not that you don't know him already. I'm glad you know him already, but do you want to know him more? Don't you want to know him better? I mean, don't you want him to be a friend that's even closer and closer and closer? Beloved, I can tell you, you can know him more today. You can keep chasing. I've been chasing him for 25 years. I can still know him better. I can still know him better. So the end in mind is that. That's the point. See, wisdom and revelation is not so that you can know something, but so that you can know someone. That's the reason why we have it. Uh, That word is epinosis. Epinosis. And the word gnosis in the Greek, where we get the word gnostic, you know, prognosis, all those things. Gnosis means knowledge. So, so the word is epinosis. Now, it's not prognosis. We said prognosis. It's not prognosis. Prognosis is like, well, you've got headaches. It could be stress. Oh, your, your heart's bothering you. It could be stress. It could be too much chicken fried steak, right? That's a prognosis. Something's going on. We're not really sure. And most people, when we approach God, when we think we know God, it's just like that. We think we know God. Like it's a prognosis. Well, I think God might kind of be like this. I'm like that sometimes. I think God might be and God may be. But he's saying this. I'm praying that you may have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And the word is this, epinosis. And that word means this, superimposed knowledge. Other words, I know you because we were spending time together. And because we spent time together, it was automatic. Because we were together, it's like you got the mints. Right? They came along. And it's superimposed. It happens automatically. See, the thing is, is when you spend time with God, you grow in your knowledge of him. You grow. And sometimes you don't even know it. You don't even know that you've grown. Until like six weeks later and you were like, oh, I remember. Has that ever happened to you? That's good. That's that residue. That's that residue. So it's the highest knowledge that you can't help but get. It's in the knowledge of him. It's not an abstract knowledge of God or an an objective fact. Study this out in the Greek. It's in the knowing of him. It's in the knowing of him. It's not abstract. It's clarity. It's wisdom. It's understanding. It's clarity. It's precise and correct knowledge about him. Knowing him personally and intimately. Jesus wants that kind of relationship with you. I, I refused a long time ago to just simply be inspired by other people's walk with God. I would see people and be like, man, they're just so close to God. They have so much over. Look how they worship. Oh, that's so inspiring. I refuse to let that. In fact, it challenges me. When I see somebody going after God in a way that I'm not going after God, I'm like, I need to step it up. I remember years ago, we were at the call DC. This was way, way, way back in the early 2000s. We went to DC. There's 450,000 young people worshiping on the mall in Washington, DC. And there was this dude, like, had this crazy, like, purple mohawk and he had like on combat I mean he was he wasn't like hipster he was like punk rock and I was like oh man look and he was like worshiping like this like crazy like like it, it was weird 
I'm just being straight. Like, it was weird looking. But what I saw is I saw, man, this kid is after God. And I, and I was just standing there. I was like, man, God, I want to worship you like that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, well, why don't you then? So I was like, all right. <laughs> right? I like went after us. Okay. Listen, I wasn't challenged by it. It was an invitation. Come on, don't be inspired by somebody else's walk with God. Get your own. He has one for you. He has a relationship that he wants to have with you, not based upon somebody else's faith, not because you've listened to Josh Brown or Stephen Furtick or Max Shirley this week. Those are great. I'm glad you could be inspired. But what's he speaking to you? Come on. Get in the word. Now, worship is about exploration, not destination. And sometimes we look at worship as a, as a destination, not exploration. So we leave worship disappointed. Well, worship really wasn't as good as it was last week. Well, hold up. When, when, since when, was worship ever, ever, ever about you? Ever. Like, it wasn't about you. It isn't, the volume wasn't about you. The style of music wasn't about you. The lyrics wasn't about you. It was never about you. It was really just all about God, and we're all just expressing it together. So just get in on it. It's just really about God, completely about God. But it's not about an end. There's not, the end in worship is God. It's not a blessing or a feeling or a, a knowledge that I can even have coming out of it. Those things will come out of it. I mean, when he shows up, things happen. But we aren't, when we get into worship, it's not, we're not pursuing the thing to happen. Now, in prayer, we, many times we are pursuing a thing. However, the point of prayer isn't a product, it's a person. But in worship, we're exploring the Lord. It's about exploration, not destination. So we're not trying to receive some sort of enlightenment or emotional spiritual ascent. Worship is simply a vehicle to explore the beauty and the wonder of God. It's a vehicle. It's a vehicle. It's all a vehicle. Every, in fact, everything in your life is a vehicle to give God glory. All of it. The way that you raise your family, the way that you flip your hamburgers when you work at Whataburger, that is a very glorious job. Come on. Dang. Always get food references about 1150. Let's talk about wisdom. Let's talk about wisdom because this is his prayer, that you receive wisdom and revelation. See, wisdom is not the same as knowledge, right? Wisdom is more experiential. Okay, for example, I, my daughter is uh, 14. Yes, it's crazy. In a couple of years, she'll drive. I will not allow her to just read a book and watch some videos on YouTube and go and get in the car, give her the keys, and let her drive. That would be foolish. It would be foolish for me to do that. Now, I will spend time in the car with her, her experiencing driving a car. Once she's experienced enough to drive the car, then she might be able to drive the car without me when she's like 26. <laughs> but there will be some experience that she needs. There will be some wisdom because she can have the knowledge of how the mechanics work. But until you get behind the wheel and drive that vehicle, you don't know how to drive. You don't have wisdom. Another thing about wisdom is this, is wisdom is using the revelation that is in our possession. It's using the revelation that you already have. I already know God is good. Okay, so how are you responding to that? That's wisdom. Wisdom, and, and let me say this, is the difference between having wisdom and being wise. We think if I have wisdom, I'm wise. That's not true. I know a lot of people that have the wisdom, 
but they're not wise. In fact, if you have the knowledge and the experience and you don't apply it properly, that actually makes you foolish, not wise. Someone can give you a word of wisdom. If you don't apply that, then you're foolish, not wise. You tracking? So, you can get a word of wisdom and have it in your hand, but that doesn't make you wise. Implementing it does. In fact, if you have wisdom and don't use it, it makes you a fool. So, wisdom is using the revelation that is in our possession. And let me suggest this to you today. If we do, if the way that we steward wisdom will impact our ability to receive revelation. God's a good steward. He will give you revelation. He loves to give you revelation. He loves it. But don't expect to continually get revelation if you do not steward the revelation that you have properly. I just need a word. I just need a word. No, what you need to do is you need to be more disciplined. What you need to do is not put that on Facebook. I know you're being authentic and genuine and all that. Maybe you need to be more self-disciplined. How's that? That's a fruit of the Spirit, by the way. You okay? I'm hurting you. I don't want to try to hurt you. So possessing wisdom is important. So when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about not the wisdom that the world offers, right? I was talking about this in first service, how a lot of times we have stats, we have information, we have all these things. And, and a lot of times that we look at it, we're like, yes, yes, that's good. That's wisdom. We hang our life on it. And then 10 years later, we realize, oh, that, was, that wasn't good for us, actually, right? It's like they come out with sweet and low. We're like, yes, less calories. Oh, no, cancer, right? But you don't know till it's too late. And so sometimes we do that with the world's wisdom. We take what the world is giving us and we, we think it's good or we think it might be God's wisdom, but it doesn't line up with the word of God. It doesn't line up with the God God's already spoken. We think it's good for living our life according to that quote-unquote wisdom when actually it was foolishness and, and when more data came in, it was wrong anyway. So I would rather put my hope and my trust in something that's established like the Word of God that's been around for 2,000 years. That makes more sense to me. Because your stats change every minute. Your YouTube videos contradict the other one. Right? That came out two weeks ago. They took that one down. The data changed. It was just worldly wisdom. So he says this. Paul says this. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. Whoa. He said we. He's not just saying he. Oh, Paul the Apostle. He's saying we. We speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden, that God designed for our glory before time began. That's a lot of wisdom. This is God's wisdom. He's saying this, we speak of God's wisdom. You can have the wisdom of God in your life. That's heavy wisdom. It's way better than any man can come up with in a lab. 
No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden, that God destined for our glory before time began. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would, have not cruci- would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, most of the time when I've heard this verse and when you've heard this verse, what happens is we go through a troubling time or we go through a difficult season and someone says, well, you know, we lose a loved one. Well, you know. God's ways aren't our ways. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. So spiritual, quoting the Bible. And they quote that all the way up through verse 9, just from Isaiah. But guess what they do? They forget there's a verse 10 in the New Testament. They forget we're under a new covenant, a far superior covenant, that invites us to explore what man has not seen or heard or experienced. There's an invitation for that, and it says that, but God has revealed it by his spirit. So if you ever tell me, nobody can know the mind of God, I'll say, but God has revealed it by his spirit. And guess where the spirit is? It's up in her, and it's up in there. It's up inside of you, the spirit of God. He is in you. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, all of them, all of the things are searched by the Spirit of God, even the deep things of God. You can know the deep things of God. You can. You don't have to go to a preacher. You don't have to read a book. You just get before the Lord and say, Lord, show me your depth. Show me your depth. I want to know how deep your love is. I want to know you. Come on, it's not, again, it's not so we can push people down or manipulate or even try to manipulate God with our knowledge. I've seen people do that. No, we're just we're searching him out because we want to know him. Then he says this, I'm going to skip down to verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Again, another thing. Well, we just don't know the Lord's thoughts. We don't know the Lord's mind, but we have the mind of Christ. Right there, New Testament, post filled with the Holy Spirit, you can know the mind of God. But will you? The question is not can you. Many will say you can't. I say it's pretty plain in the scriptures, which I've just showed you. You can know what God's thinking. You can know what God's plans are. You can know the interior of God's heart. You can know the depth of God. Now, you're not going to exhaust it. You'll never do that. We will spend billions of years learning about the beauty of God. Billions. It is inexhaustible. So we better get started. (laughs) we have the mind of Christ. Let's go. Let's go. Let's explore his beauty. Let's get his mind. That's wisdom. Let's go for it. Let's chase it. James said, ask for it. If you like wisdom, ask God. He'll give it. Okay, we're going. We're asking for it. Here it is. The second thing is revelation. Revelation. What is revelation? Revelation really just means this, an unveiling. Something that's already there that you didn't know was there. It's been there all along, but now it's made known to you. Like the eternal God has all the truth in the entire cosmos and then some. He has all of it, and sometimes he lets you in on it. That's revelation. Revelation is at the, on the bottom of my shoe right here, there's a yellow tag on there. For those of you that 
know the Lord, know that a yellow tag used to be red tags at Target. Now they're yellow. And when they're yellow, I can't stay away from them. And that tag on that shoe tells me how much I paid for that. And I left it on there on purpose for this illustration and to remind me how good God is. This tag says these shoes were, y'all see it? It's yellow. You didn't know it was there until I showed you. Revelation, revelation. I can't stand like that very long. That that tag says $59.99. There's no way I'm paying $59 for those shoes, probably any shoes. But the tag says it's on clearance, so it's 50% off. So it's $29.99, which means $30. Don't be fooled. It's still $30. You pick up that penny in the parking lot, right? It's $30. But I didn't pay $30 for them. Nope, because God loves me. So I try to register them on my little app and little kiosk thing. Nope, won't register. Ask the lady, hey, I saw these shoes, and I did. I saw these shoes for $13. She says, sorry, they're supposed to be salvaged. I was like, well, you can salvage them right now. Come on, hand them over. $13. I walked out with a pair of shoes for $13. You only know, I'm not, that's not the point. The point is this. The point is, you didn't know that until I revealed it to you, until I showed you. Now you know. Now you know that Pastor Josh wears cheap shoes. Revelation is those aha moments. It's, it's, it's the moment when you're reading the scripture that you've read a hundred times, and you read it, and you go, whoa, aha, look, I've never seen it before, but he was revealed it by his spirit, but everybody been telling me I couldn't know, but there it is, I can know, aha moments, we, we used to call this back in the, the 90s, we called it a rhema word, a rhema word, rhema means the spoken word, logos is the, or logos is the, is the Greek word for, for written word or something that has been said, and rhema is the thing that is being said. Rhema, a lot of times, is just a spoken logos. So it's the word. It's, it's when, when the word lights up. You've had that, have you had that happen? You say, oh, I've never had that happen. Have you read the word lately? <laughs> it'll happen if you read the word. You just read it long enough, it'll happen. Read it deep enough, it'll happen. Read the same thing over and over again. It'll happen. You don't, you, you don't, listen, you don't read the Bible like you read a textbook or a history book. You read the Bible like God is spoken. <laughs> You're reading what God says. We have the mind of God, and a lot of it's in that book right there. In fact, anything that you think is the mind of God that's not in that book isn't the mind of God because God won't contradict himself. But he didn't come to just give you a book. The, the book points to him. Came to give you a person. Came to bring you into a relationship. Not with pages, but with a person. Pages is a vehicle. It's a perfect vehicle. So, Ramach or Revelation can be perfect illustrated, be perfectly illustrated in Peter. Matthew chapter 16. So, you guys know Peter. Like, full of bad stories, right? We always associate it with Peter before Filling with the Spirit, right? Isn't that funny? Oh, we always associate with Peter's weakness, never his strengths. Maybe we should get into the book of Acts, Peter. Maybe. <laughs> this is, that all happened after this. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? What are they saying about me? What are the news outlets saying? What are the, what are the, what are the hashtags? What's trending? What, what's trending about me? 
They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and some others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You're, you're kind of like one of the prophets, Jesus. That's what they think. They think you're just another prophet. But what about you? I know that's what's trending, but what about you? What, who do you say that I am? Now, he wasn't asking Peter. He was asking a group of, Peter, of people, but Peter speaks up like often, this time at the right time. And he says, whoa. You are Christ, son of the living God. <laughs> Bingo. Finally, Peter. Simon Peter answered, you are Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by a man, but by my Father. And I tell you that you're Peter, that you're a little rock. You got a revelation. I'm changing your name because of what you just said. Everything changes, Peter, from this moment. I'm not calling you Simon anymore. Your name's Peter now. See, when we get a revelation of who he is, he reveals who we are. That's what happens. When, how do, I'm just trying to discover who I am. Get before him. He knows. Get before him. Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for this is not revealed to you by men, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, on this rock, you're Peter. On this rock, on this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be, will, will be loosed in heaven. I'm giving you the keys, Peter. I'm giving you the authority based on what? On a revelation. That's intense. See what God can do with one moment? Of just having just one little moment. Just one little moment with Peter. They had been spending a lot of time together. He had the heart of Jesus, but now he's having this moment. Now he's having this moment where he's like, Bingo, I think I know the answer. He's like, why don't you say it, Peter? He's like, that's good. This is who you are. You're going to change everything. And he did. Because you look at Peter in the book of Acts. Before the book of Acts, what happened to Peter? I think, I think he had the wisdom in the moment, but he didn't have the revelation. Maybe he had part of it. Because we see in the book of Acts is what happens is he's there in the room and they're praying. They go out. Before, he couldn't even acknowledge Jesus to one person. He was timid and shy and afraid he was going to die. Here he's three times in front of one person. And then he stands up among thousands and preach, and thousands get saved. His shadow falls on people and they get healed. Where did it all start? It all started right there. You are Christ. Yeah. My father revealed it. See, Jesus always builds on a revelation. He always builds on a revelation. Information will help you. Inspiration will inspire you. But revelation will build you up. It will build you up to know him better. Not just so you can feel better. Not just all those. Listen, all those things are byproducts. Your emotional health is a byproduct we don't, we're not chasing emotional health when we come to Jesus. We're chasing Jesus, and he gives us emotional health. Okay? I'm not rebuking you if you're chasing those things. Go, go after those things. But he is the ultimate pursuit. And if you find yourself, I like what Bill Johnson says, if you find yourself seeking his hand, just look up. His face isn't that far. Okay? So just, just look up. <laughs> <laughs> we do ask a mess sometimes, don't we? Okay. So here's another look on Revelation. Mark chapter 4. 
There's a story Jesus says. Hey, a farmer's going out to plant some seeds. Y'all know the story, right? He's going, he's planting seeds. Some seed fell along rocky soil like a path. I mean, on a, on a hardened soil like a path. Some fell among rocky soil like rock with dirt on top of it. And some fell among thorns. You guys remember this? And so the one that fell along path, what happened is a bird came and ate it. Didn't get root. Second one didn't get root because there was rock down there. And then it came up. It's like, yay, I'm alive. It didn't have any root. And the sun came out to nourish it. The sun destroys it. Couldn't handle the trial. Some of you, you sprung up emotionally. You have had awesome emotional experiences, but you've developed no root. And so every time a trial comes, you're back at the altar. Love it that you're back at the altar. But let's develop some root. The third one is this. Springs up, but there's thorns around. And the thorns, Jesus says, are the desires of the world, and they choke it out. They choke out the seed, the plant. It springs up, and then ronk. You all like that? Ronk. Among thorns. So this is what he tells them. That's the parable. And then in Mark chapter, he says another fourth one produces. And we'll get into that in a minute. Mark chapter 411, he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. <laughs> there it is again. God's got secrets. They're for you. He's got secrets. He wants to share with you. But those are these. He says this, but those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. There's another verse that people use to say we can't explore God. And ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you be able to understand any parable? Jesus is saying this is the most important parable that all parables are built on. He says the seed is the word. The seed is Revelation. So there's things that can squash revelation, suppress revelation. First is hard-heartedness. Some of you, God hasn't revealed anything to you. Maybe you've even been in the Word. But you haven't had anything revealed to you in a long time because you have bitterness in your heart. You have hardness in your heart. You're, wound, you're wounded. I'm so sorry you're wounded. Please. Let's, let, let's work on that soil. Let's break it open so the Lord's Word can get in and transform you. Please, let's do it. I don't want you to be bitter. I don't want you to be hurting. I don't want you to be closed and calloused. None of that. Let's get in there. Let's deal with it. Let's deal with the issues. But you, you're going you're to have to allow the Lord to break through or you'll never produce. The second is this, is lack of depth. Again, some of you have had those emotional experiences, but you have no depth. You're unwilling to grow. You're unwilling to, to spend a little bit of time with the Lord every week. All you get is a Sunday morning experience. That's all you're getting. Beloved, that is not enough. You're just living from emotion to emotion. You will not produce. When the trials come, they will destroy you. Every time you're tempted, it destroys you. Every time you're tempted, you give in. Why? Because you don't have any depth. It's not the devil's fault. The third is this, worldliness. How many have I seen over the years God did a work in their life and they're not serving God today? Why? Because they got caught up in the world. They got caught up in the affairs of the world. They got caught up in the party and lifestyle. Come on, they got caught up in everything else that the world was doing and they didn't get caught up in what God was doing. They got caught lost 
wandering in the world and not wondering on Jesus, not spending their wonder on him, being fascinated by his gaze. I would define worldliness as this, valuing life in this world more than his wor- world in our life. Let me say it again. Value, worldliness is valuing life in this world more than his world in our life, more than heaven in our life, more than the kingdom of God in our life. I want what the world offers. I want the things, and I want the notoriety. I want the likes, and I want the loves, and I want the affirmation, and I want the popularity from the world. You're buying into a system. It's not speaking of a people. It's speaking of a mindset and a system. Beloved, break free from the system. He wants to free you to produce something far more fascinating, far more wonderful than the world can give you. Stop being so caught up with the pleasures of this life. They will fade quickly. But he has, he has an unending pleasure. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. At his right, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So he says this, verse 20, others like seed that fell on good soil. They hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, even 100 fold. What is he saying? He's saying they land on good soil. They're redeemed. They're in. It got in the ground. They, they hear the word. What's happening? They're, they're in connection. They're in relationship with the Lord. They accept the word. They've got revelation. They're like, yes, that's the word. I've got it. You've accepted it. And then they produce a crop, 30, 60, even 100-fold, they reproduce. They reproduce. And it would be real easy to say, man, just, you know, just take your little seed of your life and give it to God, and he'll turn you into an apple tree. That sounds profound. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, give me the seed, and I'll build an orchard out of it. I'll build an orchard out of one revelation, and this is exactly what we see with Peter. He didn't produce just a tree. He didn't just, he didn't just affirm Jesus in the front of some, some servant girl. No, no, no. He stood up and produced an orchard by declaring the thing that God had spoke to him before. Beloved, revelation is yours. How do you cultivate revelation and wisdom? Number one, you get in the word real quick. You read the word, and then you read it again. And you don't read the word. Listen, when you read the word, you're not, if you want to read the Bible through in a year, fine. Whatever. You might read it through in a month. Great. Good for you. Awesome. I'll give you that badge. Sweet. Whatever it is. You know, your little digital thing, you know, hey. No. I would, I would challenge you this. Get into a chapter for the rest of the year. Get in the word until the word gets into you and transforms you. Are you in the word? Listen to the word, sing the word, read the word, all of it. Get in the word and then get in prayer. Well, most of us were like one one on the other, right? I'm really good in the word. On the prayer thing, I have to struggle. Yeah, I know, me too. Get in prayer. Ask. So what I do in the mornings when I get up and I make my coffee, come on, and I open up my Bible, and before, right before I open my Bible, I say, Lord, today I'm asking. It would show me who you are. Would you reveal who you are in your scriptures? And then I read my devotional time with the Lord. I just have a, a plan that I'm going through, and I just read it. 
But what I get most through is not, is not, not the stuff that I'm just reading through. It's the stuff that's really on my heart, and I just open that passage, and I just look at the word, and I just read it. And I just read it again. And I just read it. And I just read it again. And I'm underlining it, and I'm circling it, and I'm highlighting it. And my Bible looks like a mess. And I'm just, Lord, this is your word. And it's coming to life. I had a word. I had a word that I've been believing the Lord for um, for three months. I was like, Lord, I know what I want. This, you put this in my heart. I feel like it, but I, but I need a scripture. <laughs> Sometimes you just need a scripture, right? You need to know that God said something. And so, I, man, I was pursuing for three months. For three months, I've been like, Lord, I, I, need, I, need, like, I need a word from you, right? Like I have what you put in my heart, but I, but I need to know something. And so on Thursday morning, I prayed that prayer that I've been praying for three months. Lord, would you give me something from your word? Would you speak to me clearly about this situation? And I open up Joshua 17, and I just start reading it. And I'm just like, there it is. I'm like circling it. I'm sending a text out. Pray. Agree with me. Revelation. 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 It's building. You know what it's building? It's building my faith in him. It's inviting me into to, to where I want to be with him more because it's not boring. It's not boring. It, it, it's so not boring to hang out with God. It is boring to do a devotional, a quiet time. That is boring. Don't have a quiet time. Have a, have a talking time with the Lord. I don't want a quiet time. I want a loud time. I want to like talk to the Lord, engage the Lord, and have him speak to me. But you've got to build it. I know it's elementary, but for some of you, if you just do that, it would change everything. Sit before the Lord and ask him, and then ask him again. And then sit before the Lord and ask him and seek him and ask him again. And then sit before the Lord and ask him and seek him again. And sing. Sing to the Lord. Lord, I know it might not sound awesome, but just sing. It might sound beautiful. I don't know. It sounds beautiful to him. Just sing, Lord, I thank you that your promises are good. I thank you that you love me like you should. Here I am in seeking your face. I just need a little ounce of grace. Whatever, I'm just singing the Lord. I do that all the time. Come on Saturday nights. This is what I do. So this is what it sounds just like in my living room. I'm just like, yes, don't wake anybody up in the house. Right? Come on, Lord, on down. Right? I was just like just singing. That's what the apostle tells us. He says, make melody in your heart to God. Just singing. Just sitting before the Lord. And as you do that, you start watching that stuff unfold. Just You start watching the word of God come alive to you. See, revel- wisdom and revelation are both nurtured by the same thing. Gazing. Gazing. Just looking at the Lord. Just focusing in on the Lord. Setting your attention on the Lord. So you can know God... You can know about God by reading his word and listening to messages and singing songs, but you can only know God by communing with him. So you got his word, you're waiting for that, but you're talking to him. Listen, you've got to develop this place of prayer. You've got to. It might be five minutes. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the great revivalists, he says, rarely do I pray an hour, but rarely do I go an hour without praying.